Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. What happened? Uh, <laughs> so we, uh, we, were, we were at a job. The house is a uh, whole stone wall covered in ivy. Front has these big overgrown hedges all the way up against the house. I have my, uh, my, my, one of my Guatemalan workers uh, and the client says, oh, feel free to just cut the ivy around the windows and make some space behind those hedges. So I told him, yeah, it's okay. Just trim around the windows and, and cut them back so you can sneak a ladder in there. We come back and I get a frenzied call from the, the, the client. And I come driving back every last ivy off the wall. <laughs> no ivy on the house. There was four feet. He just chopped the hedges right in half. There were, you, could, you, could, you could fit a scaffold behind that. And the, co- the customer was just like livid. Like, oh my God, they'll never grow back. <laughs> I had to hire a landscaper to trim him out a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I stopped by the, the, the next year and they, they look great. Yeah. <laughs> we made it through. But, you know, you got to be careful. Like sometimes you you're in our concept or our customer's concept of their ivy or their lawn. Mm. <laughs> it's a different idea than some guys. Uh, you know, the lawn is just someplace to pour your leftover paint or shake out your lead chips. <laughs> and, you know, ivy's just weeds. Uh, a hedge is just something in the way of getting this paint job done. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to be very specific about how much you're going to trim it back. Maybe give it a little sample before you, you take off and, and leave a guy with a machete. <laughs> oh, the machete was probably enough to scare him off. Uh, yeah, the, I, I don't think they complain too much. <laughs> <laughs> and to them. <laughs> well, uh, today's guest is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, president of Ryan Painting, Brendan Ryan. Welcome back to the show. He was you, uh, originally you. on back yeah, four on years ago, I think. Yeah, four or five, maybe back in episode yeah, eight. Four, yeah, eight, yeah. We shared your uh, awesome startup story, and uh, also coming from you know being a philosophy and education major to becoming a painting and roofing contractor. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's take it all the way back to childhood, if we could. Yeah. So um, basically, you know, people always ask me where where are you from, <laughs> and I, I always find that a very interesting question because I'm like, well, what do you mean? What ethnicity am I? Where was I born? Where did I grow up? Uh, so uh, my dad's from Ireland or- originally, and uh, he met my mom in Korea. They were missionaries. So my older sister was uh, born in Korea. I was made in Korea. I was uh, exported to the U.S. And uh, I was born in Wyoming, a little town in Casper, Wyoming, back in 1974. And when I was three or four months old, I moved to Mexico to do some mission mm. work. So first uh, five, six years of my life, I grew up in Mexico. And uh, then they moved to uh, Belize, which is a small Central American country right 
next to Mexico, next to Guatemala. So we were right on the Guatemalan border. Um, I grew up speaking Spanish. Um, uh, the official language is English, but the local population spoke Spanish. Uh, we spoke in English to our parents and school was in English. Uh, but, but just real interesting. We were out in the jungle running around half naked. Uh, we actually yeah. went to elementary school barefoot. If anyone, you know, showed off shoes, they'd jump on you and like, rub rub mud on your, your shoes. <laughs> we were very happily barefoot until we went to high school. And then you got to wear shoes and, and long pants. But, uh, you know, growing up uh, in Belize in a different culture was, was definitely unique. Um, I ended up going to a technical school. Um, so we learned woodworking and metalwork and uh, uh, metal shops. So kind of Liked working with with my hands. Um, I graduated very young at uh, fifteen from high school, so I was too young to uh, to jump into to college. So I went to Ireland for a year and uh, got to work on uh, my uh, uncle and aunt's uh, dairy farm, learned how to drive tractors and and milk cows. Went back to Belize, and uh, so I, I turned sixteen in Ireland. Go back, and I'm like, oh wow, no wonder they, you know, my whole life everyone has a nickname down there, but. I was always gringo, <laughs> yeah. but so was the albino and, you know, the, the, the fat boy was Gordo and everyone had a nickname. So when you're a kid, you just, you just kind of go with it. You don't realize how different you are. And when I came back from Ireland, we're, you know, it was very, very one, one ethnicity. I, I came back, I'm like, wow. And all of a sudden I'd grown, I was taller than everybody. And now I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm actually different than uh, all these people that I grew up with. But, you know, you grow up with kids and they don't see you as different. You know, it's, it's a real interesting and, and unique. So um, I did two years of college in Belize and a uh, funny story. So uh, my, my first uh, real uh, experience of coming to the U.S. So I'm, I'm 18. I come up to Prescott, Arizona, a little uh, a town not too far from Flagstaff, about 100 miles out of Phoenix. Fly into Phoenix, uh, uh, took a little plane up to, to Prescott. And I don't know how they, they expected me to this little Prescott College place. And I'm like, here I am. Where do I sign up? Uh, I'm looking for a job. And they're like, well, fill out the paperwork. And there's this little number you need, this, uh, what is it, eight-digit uh, social security number. And I'm like, yeah, well, what is that? <laughs> well, for some reason, my parents never got around to registering me for Social Security. Oh. And uh, I didn't have, I had my passport, but I didn't have my original birth certificate. Mm. So I'm in Arizona. I, I couldn't fill out my financial aid paperwork and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent the first night in a hotel. It was like a hundred bucks. I had 500 bucks to my, to my name. So one night I'm down to 400. I'm like, well, this isn't going to last. So I go down to the Salvation Army. I buy a backpack, a, uh, a little bike for five bucks, sleeping bag. And I go out of town about two miles to a campsite. <laughs> so it takes two weeks for my, for my birth certificate to, to, to get up from, uh, from Belize. So I'm totally homeless living in the woods yeah. <laughs> in limbo. <laughs> uh, my, my first job is uh, working in a diner, washing dishes with uh, uh, two Mexican cooks and a, and a Mexican dishwasher and, you know, yeah. speaking Spanish and uh, uh, a lot of fun. I only ended up staying there a semester, went back to Belize, uh, ended up doing two years of college there and then 
came up to, uh, my, my sister had made connections here in Philadelphia at St. Joe's University. My brother had come up and I was like, well, I may as well finish. So mm-hmm. came up to Philadelphia, uh, became a philosophy major, met my, uh, my wife now who's, who's Mexican, Vanessa. And, um, uh, we, uh, we, we fell in love and uh, we got pregnant. We got married. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I had kind of told a story about me graduating and, and having deep thoughts about unemployment. My first job <laughs> here in Philadelphia was with College Pro. And I always had yeah. one foot in and one foot out. But, uh, you know, it was never good enough. It was like, you know, painting was always a, a back, a, you know, a fill-in spot. Like, you know, me dedicating my life just painting. Didn't see the opportunity. Had no interest. Uh, I went back, got my master's. I ended up teaching in uh, Philadelphia in the inner school district for for six years. Got tired of the kids and the politics, was always painting on the side and and finally, you know, was making more money part-time painting and made the jump. Uh, and uh, it's 20 years now since, uh, since I left the school district um, and uh, just tying back uh, – we we had uh, I had started uh, originally with a couple Ecuadorians and uh, just working with uh, two three guys for the first five six seven years. Um, when I took over the roofing, things got more complicated. Ended up implementing more systems, hiring um, more locals, going the full employee route, and then uh, uh, over over the pandemic, I ended up losing all my employees, and now back to uh, subcontractor model, working with uh, actually half my crew are Brazilian, uh, a couple uh, two crews that are from Guatemala, so I, I get along with the guys. And um, now, do you speak uh, Portuguese? I don't. So I speak slow Spanish and slur my Spanish and they just shake their head at me <laughs> and they speak some uh, enough English and slow Portuguese yeah. for us to communicate, but, but okay. great guys. Um, and, and a couple of my, my roofers are all from El Salvador. So, yeah. um, I get to practice a lot of Spanish. Okay. Uh, so it works out. And then combined together, both companies are doing about 2.5 million. So we do. Uh, we did 1.1 million in the painting last year. Uh, we cracked the one million dollar mark last year. Um, we're, we're been in the seven to nine hundred thousand dollar range for the last five, six, seven years, depending on the economy. Um, it's always been for lack of uh, employment. I always have more work than we could usually uh, handle, but uh, meet managing the crews without bringing on project managers and, and salespeople. We've been in that uh, just under a million um, as we've gotten a little more productive and we've increased our prices. Uh, um, we've been able to hit that sweet spot of uh, cracking the million dollar. And once you do it, it's a mental thing. Like, you know, you see how the numbers work and, and you wrap your head around it and how, you know, kind of projects you need and, and the help you need to get it done. So, okay. So, uh, 1.1 in the painting and then in roofing, you at 1.4 we did 1.4. Uh, last year. Yeah. Um, and we had cracked it the year before as well. So you had shared some differences between, uh, running and operating, building the, the two companies and, uh, first episode together. Yes. Uh, any changes? 
Yeah, so I go back and forth. So, uh, you know, the painting is a little more predictive. People will wait for you, uh, you know, if you're booked three, four, five months out, it's not an issue. Um, you know, our biggest problem sometimes is just what color to pick and people changing their mind about colors. But, you know, we've, we've seen all the exterior and plaster repair and drywall and painting. I've kind of seen it all. Uh, it's a little... What used to frustrate me about the painting compared to the issues that we deal with in the roofing, if someone has a leak, it's kind of like plumbing. You know, the first guy out there to to plug the leak or come up with a good solution will we'll, we'll get the job. Um, it's a little faster pace. Uh, they're not going to wait for you. It's a lot less patient. You know, uh, you get a leak, uh, you know, you go fix it or you put a new roof and you have a leak is, is a lot than a little, fl- you know, the worst thing that's happened in painting, we painted something the wrong color or uh, something flaked three, four, five years later, it's an easy fix. Uh, roofing, you got water damage on someone's <laughs> HDTV or $6,000 mattress. And uh, <laughs> let's just say that. So I, I got a whole new appreciation for painting. It's yeah. it's an easy business. Uh, the problems that we deal with are so much more manageable than, than roofing. Uh, the roof is a lot more dangerous, a lot more dirty. Uh, you have to talk about, you know, organizing your materials and having everything on site and you know the planning that goes into is uh, painting is much more forgiving uh it's interesting i you know as you get older you're you're, you're kind of I, I live on that next there's always uh, i love detective work so you know figuring out that leak where it's coming from water is, goes in all kinds of funny different ways so you know I, you get that challenge of where you can't you know Four other roofers haven't been able to find the leak. And, you know, we're out there on next door. Brendan is the leak master. (laughs) (laughs) Put your captain inspector hat on Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, get up there and look around and Mm -hmm. figure out angles and whatnot. Uh, But, you know, I always ask if I had to, if I had to close one, which would it be? And I'm like, Mm. that's a tough one. It's like, I think I'd go back to the painting. Um, As exciting as the roofing is, it's like a, it's uh, okay. a little, little more predictable. Yeah. <laughs> Easy yeah. to manage. Is it still now, like in the, in, in the first episode, you shared how if you think it's hard hiring painters, try hiring roofers. Yes. Is that still yeah. True? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, since the pandemic, we lost a lot of our, our good employees. Um, labor's been really tight. Uh, we, we were almost three months with one employee last year in the painting. So we were really worried about like, is this the end? Um, and then, uh, ended up finding three really good crews. So we're, we're back in business. So it's like, sometimes you just have to stick with it. You know, you think it's over, you're going to make plans. If, if you stick in, sometimes you'll just get through that rough patch and come out better. Uh, um, the guys that I have are s- twice as productive as some of the employees that I lost. Um, but same thing, you know, if we had shut the doors too early, there's no coming back. It's, uh, yeah. it's like, you know, hardships will happen. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we get so used to everything has to go the right way and we need the perfect job and the perfect customer. And while that's the goal, you know, mm-hmm. there's going to be bad times. We're going to get rough customers and, and we just have to hang in there, take deep breaths and, and just, suffer through it yeah yeah indeed that's uh that's that's it now you had shared how uh a webinar that april had given about the one thing and uh goal setting 
it uh, it was it was something you took to heart. You took action on. You started writing every day. And if I recall, like you didn't do anything for the first few weeks, but you kept writing it every day, right? Um, we still doing it? Yep. Uh, so I was just listening to uh, some of the stuff we had talked about, and and, and I had kind of just started there last time. So that's I think it's just over four years ago yeah. uh, that we did that, and I was talking about uh, you know I, I um, just in the morning writing down having your intention for the day but you know basic goals and, and just writing them down so it's like you know for physical i was like i'm, I'm gonna run a marathon i'm gonna lose uh, this much weight be be this ideal weight this mm-hmm. is how much money i'm gonna make in the in, in each company so just 12 things and, and i was like it, it, it's unbelievable so four years later and this is minus two because for two years there were no marathons or or, oh, yeah, or, or yeah. races but uh i've run 12 marathons in the last uh, uh so four years but it's only two and a half of them that we've yeah. we've actually done it wow, well done. um and uh i actually still go down to belize and the whole family uh joins us my both my sisters do the half and my brother and i do the the full but one of the things that i was talking about is Mm -hmm. such a simple strategy of just there's something about writing something down and having an intention because you know it's a whirlwind out there everyone's competing for your attention uh, if you don't have a, a vision and a plan or something guiding you, it's so easy to get lost. So um, one of the things that, that, that I, I, I've always thought of is like in your head, you know, we say we want to make this much money. We want to lose this much weight. We want to we want to grow so many things. And having the belief until you write it down you don't see the disconnect. You know, everyone wants to win the lottery, right? And and you look at it, you look at people that win the lottery. It's like, are they better off? Are they, is their their life magical after that? They get into so much trouble and lose it all within six months to a year because they haven't grown into Mm. their, that self-belief of what you can actually achieve. Uh, So at that time when, when we were talking, I was saying, I'm, you know, I run marathons and I was at that point, I was like 200 pounds. I had high cholesterol, uh, wasn't running at all. We were just talking about your running shoes and, uh, you know, I had to get special shoes because I was overweight and Mm. my knees were, were killing me, but something simple, uh, um, like writing down like income. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and back then it was like 250,000 is my, my income after everything. Mm-hmm. And just writing that down every day, right? Every day, yeah. you know, we, we well, had been stuck around the 200,000 mark. Yeah. Now did ha- have anything to do with your upbringing as far yeah. as like the vision you had or what you believed was possible, especially when it comes to money? Yeah. So, um, uh, my, my parents were, were Catholic growing up and one of the stories we, we grew up very basic, uh, you know, um, not a lot of money. And, and the, the, the message that we always got was like, Oh, rich people are, uh, you can't be rich and honest. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, people, they, they, they're, they're stealing something from the system. They're taking advantage of people. They, they're somehow scammers or not good people. So you can't, uh, be wealthy and a good person. Person. And that's a, mm-hmm. like a message that I got uh, that I really struggled with growing up. And, and as a philosophy major and, and a little bit of an artist, you know, we have that belief that our work isn't valuable. We're afraid to charge, whether it's hourly mm-hmm. for a price or that's too much. You know, uh, you start out working at 
you know, $6 an hour back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. now it's up to 15, then you're like 24, 25 just seems too high, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're ripping this little old lady off. Yeah. Uh, so you're just getting your mindset to where, well, what, what is everyone else charging? What am I actually, um, uh, what am I actually worth? What is my time and my income, my family, uh, taking care of stuff and, and just, you know, uh, getting past a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, having money in the bank and, and feeling guilty or, uh, that, that it's not good. There's people starving or, uh, somehow it's taking away from someone else. Um, so that's something I really struggled with and, and, and writing that number down and just getting comfortable with it is the same thing. Because if, if you have a hundred thousand and you think that's all you're worth and you make a little bit more, Stuff is going to happen where you're back down and and you don't do it. You start paying your guys too much or you start giving discounts. And one of the problems with with, uh, the trades is, you know, you you get that estimate that's 30,000 and then someone's 20,000 and someone's 5,000. And it's it's really like, you know, what are they doing? Uh, Why the discrepancy? And it's really hard for for homeowners too to to deal with that. But, um, you know, that little focus takes 10 minutes. I said, uh, during the day, I'm, I'm, I'm five notebooks in, in, in four years, run that many marathons. I'm, I'm back in shape. Um, and, uh, I, I slowly got it up to 300,000. So now like I'm, uh, I earned 300,000 and it's just like, I remember when I first started in the early mid 2000s and one of our clients was a fancy lawyer and he made $300,000 a year and I was talking with the contractor and oh my god he makes 300,000 can you believe it and it was like I was like the, the, the richest person we'd ever worked for right yeah, like wrapping yeah. your head around like wow <laughs> and now it's just like 300,000 really that's it <laughs> you know so uh, if you can keep your profit margins that's the other thing you know mm-hmm. you you can make a lot of money but if you're not actually keeping it there was a little disconnect. So I had talked about the importance of knowing your numbers, but getting comfortable with that self-belief of what you're worth. And um, Jim Rohn talks about you have to grow into a bigger, you need to actually believe and be that million dollar person before you're able to be comfortable at that um, and, and I struggle with it. So, you know, growing up that, uh, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through a eye of a needle than a rich person to get into heaven. Well, oh my God, I, I, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> how am I, how am I going to make this work? So just mm. changing the belief about money and it's, it's okay to make money. Um, and, uh, one of the things I was going to say, I talked a little bit about how great the trades were, right? Thank God for the trades. You think of where we are in this country, you know, so many monopolies, you know, imagine trying to compete with Google or or Amazon or, you know, you can't get into, you do a startup, they buy you out. There's there's so little, look at what happened to, to small town America. You know, you go to these small, you have your CVS, your McDonald's, you know, everyone has tried to systematize mm-hmm. all these businesses, and, you know, the opportunity for someone that isn't afraid to work hard and, and work with their hands and, and, and do a business and make good money, um, you know, as much as they've tried to franchise and do stuff, there's just something uh, just solid about the trades where you can go in and make two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars 
without a lot of headache and, and just providing a really good service, like just being a good, decent human being. You know, you look at banks or credit card companies that are, you know, charging all these crazy interest rates. And uh, uh, I had talked last time about my, my first job at the loans and it, it, they were giving out loans at 30%. Ooh. I mean, talk, talk about the Bible and usury, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and, and you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, ending slavery, but how many of us are not making enough at our, there's not the opportunity in jobs out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you end up in credit card debt. It took me 15 years to get out of just debt between mm-hmm. the student loans, credit cards going in. It took such a long time to get out of that and not understanding the value and the good work and 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 what the opportunity is for painting. If you're starting out, guys, um, and I, the one thing that I say, like I'm smart, I think I'm smart, but it's just like I'm so stupid because you know I look at a system like I can do better, I can improve that, I can, I can I'm going to do this, and like you're always going contrary to the simple things yeah. that this business can be. Yeah, there's there's complexity to it. Th- that's good, right? Because if not, we'd have one big uh, Amazon painting company, right? In yeah. every town. So thank goodness we don't have that. But it's also not that complicated. I tell you, you know, painting we can do on five things. It's, you know, prep, covering, cleaning, good customer service, providing a great experience, a remarkable experience. It's those basic things that are mm-hmm. easy to do and and getting the couple systems in place the and going forward in the trades guides it's wide open i mean all the boomers i talked about they're they're halfway through retirement a lot of them have retired so you young guys out there it is wide open you can make mm-hmm. more than doctors lawyers phds um and and that's talking from someone uh, that uh actually taught philosophy for 15 years. <laughs> I didn't talk about that when, when 15 of those years, I used to te- teach evening school at LaSalle University mm. here in Philadelphia. So I kind of uh, get, get the, I, I'm a head guy, but I love working with my hands. So I, I, I've always loved that about the trades and painting. You can make it in painting, guys. Uh, what I would say if I could go back, don't be smart. Follow the systems, plug in the DYB, um, it's, it's not that complicated and you can make a great, great living. Mm-hmm. Right on. Any, uh, books recently that, uh, have interested you? I've been reading a couple of books. Um, uh, I've been, uh, reading, uh, Traction by Gino Wickman. Uh, he has the other one out. That's really a, l- a little bit simpler. The, the, uh, Traction goes into whole company culture and implementation, a little bit higher level, great ideas. I, I, I kind of get lost in, in, in the ideas, you know, someone like, uh, Nick Slavic and Nick May can run with that type of stuff and build incredible culture. I'm a little bit more organic. I like work with the guys jumping in growing stuff from the inside out um, but just talks about uh, uh, you know having that vision working with people that you like enjoying what you do 
Um, that's one of the things I, I want to tie back in uh, with, with my philosophy students. I, I talk about, you know, when, when you think about life, you know, there's, there's three main models. You know, we're here to have fun, right? We're here to have pleasure, party, uh, you know, live the good life, take vacations, uh, have a nice car, you know, on the lower end, drugs, alcohol, uh, that type of stuff. Then you have the camp of we're here to learn something. Life is kind of mm. like a school. You're here to learn lessons and grow and become a better person. And then you have people that, well, this is punishment, right? This is kind of like a purgatory where you have to work out your your past sins or from original sin. And you get those people, right? Everything's a problem. Everything goes wrong. Uh, they, they complain about everything. They get the worst customers. They don't make any money. And just switching that to, to the painting, uh, I have a, a little one. That same idea flows with, with the painting. So, you know, if you like working by yourself and you're kind of artist, you can make great money on your own. But, you know, you can do good work, enjoy a beautiful paint job. I know several artists that have worked for me and gone out. They do um, faux finishes and plaster type work. Um, you can go in, listen to podcasts. I talked about what I, College Pro got me in because they had that banner. Have fun in the sun with your friends. And I'm like, I'm hooked. I got to work outside, listen to the birds with my buddies, you know, and, and it can get tricky, right? Just the fun stuff because uh, we used to work with the guy and you, you could pop open a beer or two at lunch and kind of get sidetracked. Uh, I actually had a crew, I had a couple bad hires two years ago and they were bringing alcohol to work and kind of damaged the, the, the crew culture. But, you know, as an artist, you can go and keep it simple, enjoy your life. You can listen to that podcast, that music, have fun by yourself or with a couple of guys. There's some people that, you know, can build a team around them and they enjoy the, the, the management stuff. Then we have the purgatory, right? Don't go there. <laughs> Join DYB. You can work your tail off, not spend any time with your family, not make any money, run, 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 get all the horrible customers, not charge enough. And we know that one, right? right? Don't do purgatory. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. then there's the one you, you can grow, right? Mm -hmm. So so instead of just listening to the music and having a beer at lunch, you can listen to the podcast. Join a support team like DYB where you can, you know, get pointed in the right direction when you're discouraged. It's always great to have someone, right? Um, I'm kind of a personal uh, uh, person. I don't like groups and engaging. I'm not incredibly social. It's it, it's hard for me. But when you don't have that support system, when I originally joined DYB was because, you know, you're working a lot and you don't have that friend group. And when stuff is uh, happening to you, you know, people don't want to hear about your problems. They don't understand what you're going through with that customer, you know, the, the, the difficult uh, client. So, Learning and growing and building a team and having fun, that's that, that growth mode. So, you know, you can have those. Don't do the purgatory. You can have fun or you can be the growth uh, and build a system. So Yeah, and earn multiple six figures. 
Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The right. opportunity is, is absolutely there. And then just, just seeing that, realizing that took me so long. It took me so long. I look back, I see 20 and 30 year olds making more money and doing it a lot easier than, than, than what I have done. You know, you, you look at yeah, you just shake your head and go. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I had to learn the hard way too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, Brennan, thank you uh, very much for coming back on. I really appreciate it. If somebody wanted to, well, first, is there a question I should have asked or a final point you'd like to make? Yeah, no. So uh, just going back to the other book uh, and, and going to mindset, the other book that I'm reading that uh, I'm, uh, I really go to that, that drives home the, uh, the mindset is um, uh, The Instant Millionaire. And it's just talking about getting the belief system right. Um, uh, Who's that, you know, that uh, that is um, uh, Mark Fisher. I believe it's a Canadian uh, fellow wrote that. But it's about getting your mindset right. Um, and it all starts. Uh, I had talked about, you know, the world and the life gives you what you put out and your belief system. Um, so when you go out, if you're meeting a lot of customer, difficult customers and you're not making a lot of money, you know, in order to turn your life around or do something different, because we blame, right? That's the first one is the victim. And if you have victim mentality, no one can help you. Not even God, right? <laughs> Forget you or I or anyone helping anybody, right? If they have, well, it's the economy, all these stupid customers. I got these picky customers who don't want to pay, right? <laughs> if that's what you're getting, you have to step back and be, okay, what am I doing to attract this type of customer, and you look back and you work on yourself and you change your belief system, you work on yourself and you change it, and automatically you will find that the customers get better, the jobs get easier, you make more money, and it's all it, it all comes back to that. You're, what you're putting out, how you feel about people, the beliefs that you've been ingrained, right? And uh, Unfortunately, we're born into a family with a set of beliefs in a society that, you know, teaches us these are these beliefs that you have to grow up someday and be like, okay, well, what's actually working? You know, you think of principles and you think of the, the laws that actually you can apply that can make things better. And then there, there are principles and laws that you can apply and that are right there behind you. Yes. <laughs> that will make your life easier, grows your mindset. You get the support of, you know, having that, that group of people to bounce ideas off, see what's working, um, getting you through those hard times. Um, you know, I kind of disconnected from uh, when the pandemic came around and uh, things were, were a little bit shaky. Um, I don't know if I told you, um, Vanessa has had some some health issues. She has MS. Um, so that's a little bit scary. I, I used to talk about, you know, we have this idea of, you know, when I retire someday, we're going to do this or that. Um, you know, paying attention to your family and not taking your health for granted. Fortunately, she's fine. She's, she, she's stable. Uh, she can't run anymore. So that's a big one. She was a big time runner. I got my, my running from her. So to see her struggle. So, you know, backed off of social media, spending a lot of time with her. Um, we take a walk after dinner every day. We walk three miles. Um, uh, and just, we're traveling a lot more. So we, we travel in the winter when things slow down, we take six to eight weeks and just have been all kinds of places. Um, and, uh, uh, backing down and just 
kind of introspecting and seeing what uh, you know what's important, what's valuable. Um, and uh, now I'm I'm ready to come back and be a little more social and uh, check in with the guys. It was nice to see uh, some of the guys of the group that are that are still around. We still doing the the uh, double your health uh, uh, group as part of the program within the, within the masterminds. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's not a separate yeah, uh, Facebook yeah, group anymore. Yeah. That but you uh, know, but just having an accountability partner and letting people know where you are and. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, helping each other out i kind of miss that and i was like I, we've been talking for a while like it was i gotta come back <laughs> uh, it's it's been nice uh, you know uh, uh blocking off that i'm i'm kind of trying to you know it's so easy to get lost in in uh, social media and uh getting carried away with what everybody else is doing so kind of keeping your focus and setting the parameter of what what the intention again back to how can i do this while i i, I keep it you know i heard someone say that the world is out there to make you forget what the goal or what's important mm. right what's important in life mm-hmm. um and uh you have to you have to remind yourself so part of that morning journal is like what's important to you stick into mm-hmm. those things um and Keep it uh, mind. yeah yeah so but uh you know you can't take your family for granted you got to spend mm-hmm. time you don't get healthy or lose weight tomorrow it's like you have to take the daily little actions mm-hmm. that uh right they're not pleasant the first time you know you go out and take a two mile run and you, <laughs> you, you can't breathe and you're sore <laughs> and you got to start slow start with just writing it down start with yeah. walking yeah. and then slowly exactly. just like the, uh, change 5k app yeah 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 so yep. little stuff like that so fantastic well i really appreciate it but if somebody wanted to uh reach out if they had a follow-up question what's the best way they could get a hold of you yeah well i'm back on uh back on uh, dyb so uh shoot me uh, a message there um uh is uh is my email uh my email isn't out there um uh look us up ryanpainting.com you can uh Send send me a little message there, but uh, Facebook uh, is is definitely a good good place to catch me and uh, uh, looking to uh, get back and uh, inspiring people and getting inspired, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. thank you very much for uh, for coming back on. Great Appreciate catching it. up. Good good seeing you, Steve. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.